with that, if you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find John chapter 4. John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, it's fine. It's going to be on the screen behind us as well. Uh, I want us to look at the idea of baggage. All right? Baggage today. And we are going to jump into the story that's found in John 4. Uh, but I'm not going to read it at the start like I often do today. We will read it and we'll kind of talk as we go through it uh, instead of reading the whole thing up front. All right, and this morning, like every other week, uh, I always just want to say this, like we have an opportunity. All right, but the thing about opportunities is it's something that you have to take. Right, like it, it kind of comes down to each one of us. Like, all right, am I here today and I'm just going to kind of drift through this or am I like, all right, I'm already here. Uh, I want to focus in. God, I want you to speak to me. I want to hear from you. Um, and, and I want to be changed by this. And so I want to just kind of challenge each one of us uh, just to be thinking about, okay, where's my attitude at? Am I, is my mind all over the place? Uh, or, in a, or can I be focused in to hear what God has? Um, so if, you are, if you're willing, if you're able, would you stand with me? I just want to open us in prayer. Like I said, not going to read through John 4 right now, but let's just open in prayer um, anyways. So... God, we just we thank you for this time. We thank you for this community that we have. God, we pray that, that at every opportunity, Lord, that we would want to look more and more like you, that we would want our, our actions to be um, more reflective of you every single day. God, we don't have to be perfect, but I pray that, we're, that we are just more and more like you today than we were yesterday, God, and that tomorrow we're even more. So, Lord, we just pray that you continue to challenge us in the areas that we need to grow in. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. And so we, we often, we, we want to be people, we'll say this, that, that experience God in a life-changing way. We just had a series that was called uh, This Is Us that we did a little bit ago. And that was one of our like, main statements that we said. Um, was that we are a community that prioritizes life-changing moments with Jesus and that we want that in our lives. Uh, but here's the thing, like they, they don't just happen. Like life-changing moments don't just come from walking through the doors of a church or from opening up a Bible or even by praying. Like they can, but they aren't guaranteed. All right, because life change happens when we allow it to happen. We have to actually be open to this idea. We have to be open to God moving in our life, to speaking to us, to highlighting areas that need to change, and then we need to respond to that. Uh, and, and, and we talk about this just about every single week. All right? Now, it's kind of like the difference of saying, like, again, we have to be active in this. So it's like, okay, am I just going to, if I say, hey, I have $20 for anybody that wants it, you have to actually get up out of your seat and come up and be like, yes, I would like that $20 and I will grab that from your hand and put it in my pocket. All right, it's not me walking around and shoving $20 bills in people's pocket without their permission. Some of you are like, I don't care. Like, if that's what you're doing, I want $20. You're more than welcome to just, you know, throw it at me. But again, kind of that idea of like, we have an active part that we have to play in so many of these things. God doesn't, he doesn't force anything on anyone. And, and he wants to honor what you want, even when what we want actually hurts us and isn't good. Like that, that's something that's so hard for us to understand that God, God cares so much about us being able to have like that, that, that free will and those choices that he, he allows us even to make decisions that aren't great for us. And, and this is a little bit of like the heart behind the passage, like James 4, 8, that says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. 
Have you ever thought about that passage from like a really practical standpoint and been like, okay, I thought we believed in like God is everywhere. You know, kind of like the big word for that would be that God is omnipresent. That God's everywhere at all times. So how do I draw nearer to him if he is in this place as much as he is this place? And I think what we're seeing there is what James is getting at is so much of this attitude and this mindset of are you, are you allowing yourself purposely to draw near to God right now? Because when you do, the more you draw near to him, he's right there, ready and waiting. And, and so that's kind of the attitude that we always want to have with these things is that we want to draw near to God. We want to be ready and open for that. So if we want to experience God, it starts with us. It starts with our attitude. Is our focus directed towards him? Now there are some things that can hinder us from really putting our focus and our attention on him. And for the sake of today, I'm going to lump all of this together into one word, baggage. Baggage. And so here's, here's my definition of baggage that I'm, I've just kind of come up with here. Baggage is anything that isn't from God that we are bringing into our relationship with him. All right. And maybe you've heard the term baggage before in regards to like other relationships, like a dating relationship, a friend relationship. Like there's just, there's baggage. All right. And, and baggage, there's some important things we have to understand here right at the beginning. Otherwise, we can have a wrong mindset. Baggage isn't always someone's fault, all right? Baggage doesn't make someone less or worse. All right, I've heard this term used in a negative way about someone, and that's, that's not at all what I'm meaning here this morning. All right, people can think that it, you know, they'll have like this wrong mindset where like, well, baggage means you're like damaged goods. And it's like, no, that's, that's not it at all. That's, that's an awful way of looking at this. All right, so like understand baggage doesn't decrease someone's value. It does increase the amount of work that they probably need to put in to be healthy. All right? And, and baggage is rarely fair. All right? Baggage just isn't fair. Like, it's, it's often things in life that, that you didn't ask for, that you didn't maybe even have a choice in. Okay? And what baggage does is it just, it kind of weighs you down. It hinders you from really um, being the person that God would want you to be. Um, and, and this is true in any relationship. Like we said, when two people decide to get married, like they both bring different baggage into the relationship. And I'll tell you what, like as someone who does a lot of premarital counseling, the biggest thing is always just like, this is how my family was, this is how their family was. This is how their family handled things, this is how mine handled things. Like so much of it is the family you were raised in, understand automatically, Every person walks into a relationship with baggage, all right? And baggage might be their own view of how things, they think how things should be. Uh, it might be misconceptions about relationships and marriage. Could be poor examples from the home that they grew up in. Could, could be preconceived ideas from Hollywood or books or teachings or thoughts from friends. All right, because some of the people that want to give the most like marriage advice are couples that have been married for about six months. Right? You ever ran into that before? And if you've been married for six months, that's great. You're in an awesome place. All right? Um, and it's like just long enough to be like, yeah, we kind of got our feet underneath us. And you're like, really? You want to give it another decade here? <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll see what's coming. And it's great. Like marriage is amazing. But it's, it's one of those things where everybody just kind of has these different things that they bring into it. Their baggage might be hurt from previous relationships or from other people could be a bad breakup. Maybe there's something awful that happened to you. 
uh, and hear me on this, like it isn't your fault. You aren't any less. You aren't any worse. You aren't damaged goods. But it's something that you've had to work through. It still, it has impacted your life. It's impacted your relationships. Past offenses from someone that you're still hanging on to. Uh, maybe a significant other that like lied constantly to you. And the baggage may be completely separate from the relationship, all right? It could be health issues. It could be physical or mental. Uh, financial issues. They maybe have lost someone who's close to them and they're still carrying that weight. Like, and some baggage is from our own decisions and the outcomes of those decisions. All right, sometimes we make poor decisions and we end up with baggage because of that. But understand, like, baggage is rarely fair. Baggage is universal. Every single person to some extent, and baggage is, is difficult, it's messy, it makes it hard. All right, and so this is kind of the big idea that I want for us as, as we kind of move into this. Baggage that isn't dealt with will always hinder us. All right, baggage that isn't dealt with is always going to hinder us in some way. It will hinder our relationships with others. It's going to hinder our relationship with God. It will limit our understanding of God. It will limit what we think he is capable of and what can happen in our lives and how we think we could be changed. So I want to read through this passage quick and show someone who has some obvious baggage that is hindering her. All right, so this is in John chapter 4, and this is like classically just known as the woman at the well. And I want you, as we read, you're going to start to see what things are in her head that she's bringing into this conversation with Jesus that are impacting the way that she's hearing him talk to her, the way that she is understanding the things that he's saying, and the way that she views um, even her own worth and value and how she could be um, part of this. So I'm going to start in John 4, starting in verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. All right, so some quick background here. Israelites and Samaritans hated each other. They hated each other. All right, this would be very similar to what we are seeing play out right now in the Middle East. Like there just was, there was so much animosity between these groups. Israel was broken into two kingdoms. Um, kind of in the Old Testament, you read about this. In the north, you had Israel, and then you had the southern kingdom of Judah. Northern Israel, after a while, and a bunch of kings that weren't great, was taken over by the Assyrians. All right, and a bunch of the people were taken away. And then the Assyrians brought in a bunch of Gentiles. And Gentiles just simply means they are not Jewish. To Jewish people, there's just two types of people in the world, Jewish people and Gentiles. And so they brought in a bunch of other people to kind of occupy that land that Israel had been in. All right? Um, those people began to kind of intermarry with uh, the people of the, the land of Israel that were still there, which was against the law. And so everyone in the south in Judah like, did not like what was happening. They didn't like this group. All right, now, 100 years later, Judah also is taken over um, by Babylon. They come back 70 years later. All right? And they despise their cousins to the north who are now this intermarried group that is called the Samaritans. And when the author says that Jesus had to go through Samaria to get from Judea to Galilee, this isn't really true. 
All right? And like anyone reading this from the first century would have been like, uh, not really, when they say Jesus had to go through. Um, it's definitely not the normal route. It is the fastest one. But there were like these major walking like highways actually on either side, kind of the east and the west of this area. All right. Um, and I think I have one on the screen behind me here. Uh, right there. You can kind of see like that straight red path in the middle. That is kind of the path that Jesus is taking. And as you can see, it's going right through Samaria. The path that Israelites normally would take if you're going from Judea up to Galilee, which is kind of that red one up there, you would actually go to the outside across the river, go up north through a different part of the land, simply so that you could avoid Samaria. That, that's what they would normally do. So when we would read this and say Jesus had to go through, they'd be like, no, he doesn't. None of us do. None of us want to do that. All right, so we kind of, we see this right away here. All right, now Jesus decides, though, that he's going to go straight through. And I think this is because God has just already, like, ordained this meeting at the well that we are going to read about. So going on, verse 5, it says, Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. All right, now, real quickly here, noontime. That's not a good time to draw water. Again, people would have been like, why is she going to the well at noontime? This seems weird. Noon is like the hottest time of the day. You're going to go get water. You do it early in the morning. You do it late at night. So she's there at noontime. So you're already thinking something's going on weird where she doesn't want to be there when everyone else is there. All right? Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? All right, so we can see right away here, she's seeing Jesus through this lens of cultural baggage. Can you see the baggage that's happening here? She's like, why are you even talking to me? Why are you asking me for water? In fact, why are you even here? Why didn't you go around like everybody else does? And so she's, she's bringing in these preconceived ideas to this relationship with Jesus. He, he goes on, verse 10, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Okay, preconceived idea of what water is even here. She said, and, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Some more baggage. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. You can just see it time and time again. Every response she has, she's just missing it, right? Like she's just missing the boat of what's happening here and what Jesus is trying to say to her, what he wants done. And you can't blame her, though. This is not, this is not about like, oh, man, she's such an idiot. Like, no, that's not it at all. 
you begin to understand how much was going on in people's minds and their heads. There are so many preconceived ideas that are changing the entire way that she is hearing Jesus and what she thinks of this conversation, how she understands it. All right, so it goes on, verse 16. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So you start to see that, okay, maybe this is why she's avoiding people. She feels a little bit like a pariah, even among her own people, that she's avoiding them at the well. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Well, we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. So this is just another like cultural argument that they had between the Israelites and the Samaritans. And so you can see like she is immediately bogged down by all sorts of these like classic arguments, cultural arguments that they had. And, and this is baggage for her. And this is stopping her from really experiencing, understanding, meeting with Jesus in the way that he would have wanted for her in that moment. It's impacting the entire conversation. She cannot get past these ideas that are in her head. And, and I just, like, I read this. And I just want to be like, pay attention. Like, stop talking. You have a one-on-one -on -one moment with Jesus. Like, you are one of very few people who had these types of moments. And as the story continues, like, it happens more. Uh, and she finally starts to focus on what she should. Um, and then the disciples return. They have their own baggage. They see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman by himself, all sorts of things. Um, and honestly, like, this story, the woman interacting with Jesus, it isn't too far off from what I'm sure I think some of our stories look like when God starts to try and interact with us. That he's sitting there and he's, he's trying to impress things on us. He's trying to, trying to speak to us, trying to guide us, trying to encourage us. And we have so many ideas in our head bouncing around of who God is and what this should look like. That we struggle to even just hear his voice and listen to what it is he's trying to say, how he's trying to encourage us, whatever that would look like. Because we have all these different things. You know, whether or not we are worthy of a relationship with God, if too many things in our past that disqualify us, you know, would he even want to talk to me or guide me? How, how would it look if he actually did? What, what it is he would try to tell me, you know, how I should respond. We have all these different things floating around. And that's even if we actually recognize his voice and begin to listen. I think many people have already closed themselves off to that opportunity to begin with. Some of us are not are not walking through the, the doors expecting God has something for me today. We aren't waking up in the morning and saying, God, what is it that you want to do in my life today? And so we're, we're closing ourselves off because, again, he's not coming and shoving the $20 in your pocket. It's You have to have some action in this. As we draw near to God, it opens up this opportunity for God to truly encounter us. Because he isn't going to force this. And maybe we have walls up about God in general. And, and we just, we don't want to interact. Maybe for others, we, th we think we are open to God. But there are certain areas of your life or certain topics where you carry a lot of baggage. And when we start talking about those things, all of a sudden your defenses go up. And maybe you've been there. You've been sitting in church and you're like, yeah, I remember when you talked about this. And 
man, I just kind of, oof, I didn't want to hear about that. Like, you're fine, and then all of a sudden we talk about forgiving people, and immediately walls go up. Yeah, but you don't know what they've done. You don't know what happened in my life. You're right, I, I, I don't. You know, you're fine, and then we talk about missions, and we talk about caring for people on the other side of the world, and walls go up. But what about all the people here that need, that need caring? Okay, we're not saying the people here don't need that. The question is, why do you have walls going up immediately when we talk about this? You're fine, and then we talk about money and how we should steward it, steward it and how to handle it, and walls go up. I'm okay, preacher, you can talk about anything else, but just don't start talking about my money. And we have these areas where we, we carry baggage, and it's usually because we've been hurt in the past. We've had a bad experience. And I know that for a ton of people, when it's like that last category, talking about money at church, there's issues because there's been really bad experiences. And I, I get that. I understand that. And that's, but it's something that we have to be able to work through. We can't just let one bad experience like push us away forever from something. It's, it's kind of, I was trying to think of an analogy with this. And I'm like, I was thinking about if I had a friend from another country come and we're moving into Christmas season. And they've heard this idea of exchanging gifts at Christmas, right? And I'm like, hey, why don't you come with me to a Christmas party? Uh, we're going to exchange gifts. But what I fail to tell them is that this is a white elephant gift exchange. Right, and so all of us that know what that is, right away, we have different expectations for what this looks like. So I bring this friend to a white elephant gift, and they exchange a gift, and they just get like the crummiest gift ever, like just a big old wad of like 500 pieces of chewed gum. I've seen that given in a white elephant gift before. All right, and they're just sitting there like, are you kidding me? Like I spent a lot of money on this nice gift. This is what you gave me? Like I... I'm probably getting sick just holding this gift. You gave me sickness as a gift. And they'd probably walk away from that being like, I am never going to give gifts and exchange gifts at Christmas again. It's a terrible thing. When in reality, they, they had a bad experience and there was maybe some poor communication and other things that happened there. And, and think about this though. Think about all of the joy and excitement and gifts that they would miss out on because this one bad experience, they chose to put walls up and say never again. Think about that. So how often do we do that in our walk with God? We have a bad experience because of a church, because of a pastor, because of someone who called themselves a Christian. And we say never again. I got hurt and I'm not going to do it again. And for those of us that, that maybe have been around this a while, we've been hurt and we've, we've tried to work through that and move to a different place, we'd say, you are missing out on so much that could be there. But because you're, you're hanging on to that baggage, that bad experience, it's never going to happen for you. And the, the sooner we can move past some of those things that have happened, the sooner we're going to be able to see God moving in our life. And some do it quickly in some areas, and, and maybe, maybe others hold on to things for a long time in a specific area. All right, what areas do you struggle with? What areas in your life do walls go up? What areas, when they're talked about at church, or talked about with your family, talked about with your friends, do you immediately kind of like, 
hair stands on the back of your neck and you're just like, all right, let's move on. Is it because of past experiences and baggage that you're still carrying? Are there areas that when God begins to challenge you, you back away and try and distance yourself from God because you don't want to have to change? You'd rather hang on to the baggage because it's what you know and it's comfortable. All right? I know that that's, that's somewhere I've been before. I hang on to baggage simply because it's more comfortable than going through the process of trying to heal. And that may be true in the short run. But when you carry that for years and years and years, it just can't be true anymore. We can't stay in that place. We need to be free. We need to be healthy so that we can be changed and we can draw near to God instead of allowing things to stand in our way. Because that's, that's not how God intended us to live. In the book of Matthew, Jesus makes two different statements. And these are the last two things that I, I want us to kind of focus in on here. He makes two different statements. Um, and we get a picture of what life is supposed to be like when we've surrendered to him, when we've given up all of our ways and instead embraced him. So Matthew chapter 11, Jesus prays a prayer of thanksgiving, and he ends the prayer with this. He says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So two things we're called to carry. The first thing that we're called to carry is his yoke. What I love about Jesus in this moment is uh, he doesn't deny that life is going to bring you burdens, or another phrase, baggage. But he does paint a picture that we aren't supposed to continue to carry those long term. He says, bring them to me, I'll give you rest, and I'll do that by actually having you take something on. He calls it his yoke. And that might seem counterproductive in that moment to make your load lighter by taking something else on, right? Anyone ever thought that before? Like, how is this supposed to make my life easier by putting something else on me? But a yoke isn't necessarily something to bear. It, it's a tool for doing the work that's already there. All right, and a yoke takes the work um, uh, of potentially one and it splits it over two oxen. This is what would happen. And oftentimes you would actually pair an older, more mature oxen with a younger, less mature oxen. Because what would happen is over time, that younger one would learn from the older. And initially, that older one can carry more of the burden as the younger one is kind of figuring this out. Can you start to see already what this idea of a yoke and why Jesus may phrase it this way, what that might look like? So Jesus is saying, come, step into the yoke that I am part of. And he's like, I will do the heavy lifting. You spend time in my presence, growing in wisdom, growing in maturity. And when, when we allow him to work alongside of us, Dealing with our hurts, it allows us to rest. Because let's be honest, we are, we are often too hurt to see things clearly. Like that's just what happens. And this is necessary for us to continue to grow closer to God, be part of announcing and building his kingdom, uh, the mission that we've been given, all of that. This is necessary. In the book of Hebrews, the author says, uh, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run 
with endurance the race God has set before us. So if we want to run this race that's before us, we have to strip off all the things that are weighing us down. All right? All this baggage that we're carrying, all this weight that's on us, we have to be able to strip that off. So we carry his yoke and we allow him to be part of the process with us. The second thing for us to carry is in Matthew 16. Verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So second thing that we're called to carry is our cross. Have you ever thought about how weird it was that Jesus said this in this moment? Because we read this with the full story of Jesus going to the cross. Can you imagine just like telling your followers you have to pick up your cross? And they're like, whoa, what is going on here? It's way out of left field. And he's just kind of making this analogy of like we have to be willing to die to ourselves. For Jesus, taking up the cross meant completely giving up his control and his wants in the situation. He completely gives up his right to be offended about how he is treated. He gives up all of his pride, everything, to go to the cross. Taking up your cross means dying to everything that is self and submitting to the Father's way. When we are told that the cost of following Jesus means taking up your cross, it means you you aren't taking up your cross. Like If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to grasp at all the things that you want in your own way, everything's just going to slip away. You're not going to get what you're wanting anyways. You're not, you're not going to... You can try and make the life that you think you want, and in the end, you're going to find yourself sitting there feeling empty, like there, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more to this. If we aren't dying to ourselves then we are living for ourselves and not for him. Worship team, why don't you guys come? The rest of us, as you can, I know some of you guys are writing something down right now. As you finish, let's, let's stand to our feet if you're able to. All right, and here's, I, I have one last statement that I think just brings all of this together. All of this together. I kind of, as I was thinking about kind of what this message is, it's, this message is almost the idea of like, what are you carrying? What are you carrying in your life? All right, because here, here's this last statement I have. If our hands are full from carrying our own baggage, then we can't take up his yoke and we can't take up our cross. If we are hanging on to baggage, we can't find rest with his yoke. If we are hanging on to our baggage, we will never find the life we are supposed to live because we can't carry our cross. We aren't dying to ourselves. I kind of just got this picture in my head of just like, imagine like literally slinging like just big garbage bags over your shoulder and you're walking and you're carrying that and all, the, all this different baggage that you might have in life. And that's just, that's not the way that we're called to live. And this is a difficult thing. 
Maybe as I'm talking today, God's already begun to put something on your heart, areas that you've been hanging on to, areas that have hindered you from, from trusting God, events that have happened in your life that you haven't fully processed or dealt with. And depending on what it is or how serious it is, you, you might have a few different ways to deal with it, all right? And I want to lay this out for us instead of just presenting the problem. I do think that there's things that we can kind of do. You know, I'd always start by going to God, praying about it, thinking through what it is that you're feeling, probably writing it down. Like that can help a lot of different people, just processing out loud by writing it down. Then I would take it to someone else to, to help you process and walk through it. And again, depending on the level of hurt and what it is, this could, this could just be a, a close, trusted friend. This could be a pastor. This could be scheduling an appointment with a licensed therapist and saying, I need to process through some of these things that have happened because I, I'm carrying this and I don't know what to do with it and I know it is hindering me from really moving forward in my life. Or maybe you aren't completely aware of the areas where this is happening. All right, sit down with someone that you're really close to and ask them, what areas am I defensive in? What areas do I have a lot of walls in? What areas do I get easily offended by? Because I'll tell you what, if you have someone that you're close to, I guarantee they have answers to those questions. They're just not telling you because they don't want to become one of those areas. <laughs> All right, so if you're like, hey, I'm in a good spot today mentally and I'm ready to hear this from someone, Sit down and give them permission. What areas am I, am I carrying stuff in? Otherwise, the, the last thing, and I think this applies to everybody. This is what my hope, every single one of us, myself included, that this is what we would do from here on out. Is begin to carry this mindset that when all of a sudden something in life happens, or something is said by somebody, or something in church happens, and you feel yourself kind of like tense up, and you feel walls begin to go up, condition yourself to have a response that says, why is that happening right now? Don't just trust that that's, at one point in your life, that was probably done for a good purpose. God has created our minds to be that way, where when we are hurt, there is this self-preservation and protection that happens, and that is, that is okay and, and, and oftentimes needed but we are not meant to live the rest of our life that way. And so when you start to feel things kind of rise up inside of you and these walls go up, I want every single one of us to condition ourselves to say, why is that happening right now? What is it that is causing me to think this way? Why do I feel like I have to protect myself? Because there, there might be legitimate things that you're carrying. I'm, this is not to say just get over it. There might be legitimate things. Try to think back if about these things. Are, are there events that started this? I know I started today by saying that this message is about baggage. That was kind of the, the title that, that I was like, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about baggage. That's kind of the negative side of this. The, the reality, what this message is actually about is freedom. It's about trying to live our life the way that we're, we're ready to follow Jesus wherever he calls us. And the reality is baggage is what stops us from doing that. 
one of the churches in Minnesota, I saw in the cities, River Valley. A lot of churches will have like, hey, this is, if you're going to be part of the church and you want to join a group, like here's, here's a great place to start. And they do a group just like we do called Alpha. Um, where that's usually where we kind of push people. But I know that River Valley also has a second group that is always kind of their like 101, like this is the first place to jump in. And that group is just simply called Freedom. Because it's about this idea of like, all right, if you're making a decision that you want to live for Jesus, you want to be all in on this, then understand there are some things that are in your life that you that were part of your previous life that you need to leave there as you step into this new life. Sometimes that's the way we are choosing to live. Sometimes it's things that have happened to us. Sometimes it's just, it's just flat out baggage that we're carrying. And so I want to challenge us today. Every person in this room has a different life. Doesn't matter if, if you're here with a spouse, someone that you're close to, like everybody has a different life, different experiences, different baggage. I want to challenge us just to, to be willing to allow God to step in and help us heal in some of these spots. So I'm going to ask Pastor Aaron if she'd just come and kind of lead us into a time of response here. We're going to sing a couple songs. We're going to sing a couple songs together. And as we do that, um, I just want to, I want to challenge you to be thinking through this as we go over this. Yeah, I, man, this is, um, I think one of the things I was thinking about as Pastor Josiah was talking, number one, again, just to reiterate, we all have this. We all have stuff that we're carrying. And I was thinking about a lot of times, um, one, of the, one of the things he said was, we don't want to let go of it because it's comfortable. And again, we're in a world that we want to, that pushes like, we gotta do things that make us feel good and we don't need to face that that fact. And I think about social media and I work with the teens and you know, we put on a good face and it looks good and that's comfortable. But in order to get true freedom, we have to walk through the uncomfortable. And so I just wanna pray for us that we would be willing to step into that, not to be beaten down by it, not to feel defeated, by the uncomfortableness, but to actually go through the process of being free. So Father God, every single one of us standing in here has baggage. We all have something that causes walls to go up, pain that we've, that we've been through, hurts that we've been through. And so God, this morning, I just pray that that as we have a time of response this morning, God, that we, would, that we would take a step towards you. That we would step into it, even though it might feel uncomfortable, but that it would be the first step in us finding something that has held us down for so long. God, that that, that step would lead to a deeper relationship with you or just knowing you, God. God, help us to remember that as we take that step, we're not alone, that you are with us, that you will never leave us, that you will stand beside us in the fire, whatever may come as we walk through the uncomfortableness. God, help us to just feel your presence and to know that you are near. And God, as church family, help us to be 
there for one another, to stand beside one another, to be accountability partners, to pray with one another, to share with one another, to, to, to just be family. And so God, I pray for strength and wisdom and discernment and, and how every single one of us is processing this right now. And God, as we go into our response time, God, help us to just focus on you. Help us to be willing to surrender what we need to let go of and to worship you and to honor you and to God to truly find freedom in you. In your name.